1: High in the air. Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota!
0: Welcome to episode 120 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly. Andy, 120 plate appearances from Gaylord Perry in 1970. That seems like a lot. Ooh, let's see. What did he hit? I'm going to say, you know, pitchers could swing the bat a little back then. I'll say that Gaylord was a little slippery and he he could hit about... I'll say he hit 180. Slippery is a good adjective for him, but he was objectively terrible. He hit 117 with a 167 slugging percentage. That's a 290 OPS. He did have a home run though. One home run in 1970, but you know, you got to get that guy out of there, trade him. He's pretty much washed up at that point. And thus he proved the point that Vaseline does not help a hitter grip the bat. In fact, he flung so many (laughs) bats into the stands that he became a health hazard. And yeah. Is that what Cody Ross's problem was? Is he had Vaseline on the bat? Yeah, you know, Buster is an underrated yes. bat
2: thrower. He'll he'll really let one go from time to time. And now they've got those nets that are going to be all the way around the stadium, which is something new that fans will be experiencing this year because they really didn't experience it last year. But I saw the netting in, in the ballpark uh, last season, and it is definitely more extensive. So uh, I don't think we're going to see many bats get flung into
0: the stands anymore. I've written about this extensively, and. My argument was, I saw Barry Bonds hit his 756 home run. I was lucky enough. McCovey Chronicles reader by the name of Craig, he had seats behind home plate. And I remember being there. It was It's one of my favorite baseball memories. And when I look at pictures, I realize that I was behind a screen and like I didn't care because I was at a baseball game. I was watching the baseball. It interfered with, it did not interfere at all with my enjoyment of the game. Are you pro screen around? Because I just don't care. Once you stop noticing it, it's, it's nothing. Yeah, I think it's a little better than it used to be. They use different filaments now in these nets, and they're a
2: lot thinner, and they're a lot easier to see through. I mean, I remember going to, like, you know, Cubs games in Wrigley Field in college, and if you were sitting behind the screen, the net was just like, I mean, you you could catch, like, uh, you know— um, you could catch octopuses in that thing. It was, uh, you hurled that thing into the ocean and, and you dredged it and, and you, all of the sea life would come up. I mean, it was really thick, black braided cord and, and it was tougher to see through. And I remember thinking, let's move down a section so we don't have the net in front of us. But now I watch almost uh, every game and, and you could see right through these nets. They just, the technology's much better. It really doesn't seem to be that bad. Now, if you're a real photo nut and you love to take pictures, and you wanted to get like professional type uh, photos of the ballpark and stuff, then I could see why you know you'd have a little problem with the net. But you know what? It's it's fan safety. It's about making a more safe environment for people. And I don't think you can really criticize teams taking you know more investment and effort to do that and and you know what let's just be grateful that we're actually going to have fans in the stands again that that's probably the coolest part
0: exactly all right so it's opening day which means all right we got a lot to go through we're going to predict every single one of the giants 162 games all right game number one give me an exact score Win, LOSS, lost, win, lost, win, 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 LOSS, lost, win, LOSS, win, 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 lost, 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 lost. That's about yeah, it's a good, that's a good approximation of a baseball season. It's just so funny to know every single gear, and and I've been covering baseball now for a decade, and you've been covering it for longer than that. You just know that you're not gonna know, and that you're going to look back in one month, two month three months in like all the thoughts you had about like Gerardo Parra your baseball's gonna change so much you have thoughts about Michael Reed and Connor Joe until you don't and you just know that in June July the Giants that you're expecting aren't going to be the Giants you're watching but right now all we can do is talk about what we've seen and what this team looks like I think the thought at the time about Connor Joe and Michael Reed pretty much amounted to uh,
2: who? <laughs> there wasn't enough time to really figure out who these guys were. That all of a sudden, boom, they got dropped on the roster and they're in their opening day. So, but yeah, that was the first game that the Giants played in the Farhan Zaidi era, and it seems like a billion years ago is twenty nineteen, and you know they used sixty four players that year. It was totally about churning through that roster, just bringing in anybody who could bring some value. They found Dickerson, they found Yastrzemski, they found a couple players internally that they liked. Austin Slater looks like he's got a chance to be a contributor. But, I mean, that season wasn't really about, you know, let's incorporate our broad philosophies and start building. It was, you know, let, let's let's start, you know, site clearing here so we can start building. And and then last year, I mean, it's just so hard to come up with anything meaningful about you know forming an organizational identity out of last season I mean it was Gabe Kapler's first year new coaching staff we saw that they made some impacts but everything was just so unusual last season and 60 games etc so I'm really interested to see how this year plays out because for the most part they've got some inherited pieces obviously guys that every Giants fan knows and loves uh, that are still here they're not going to clear the payroll decks really until next year But for the most part, the guys that are here are guys who were picked to be here by this regime. And we'll get to see Gabe Kapler's face, actually, at some point (laughs) in the dugout, hopefully soon. I'm really going to be interested to see how this team just looks and plays, uh, run by Farhan Zaidi and and, uh, and Gabe Kapler, because I don't think we really
0: have an honest-to-goodness sense of that yet. That is a good point. There is one little factlet that I found that... 2020 can actually inform you a little bit. All right, so the 2019 Giants, they used more pitchers than any other team in franchise history, 33 pitchers. I think we all knew that. Uh, They just churned through pitchers. The 2020 Giants, they're seventh all-time in franchise history. They used 23 pitchers, seventh all-time in franchise history. Doesn't seem notable until you remember They played 60 games. There's 102 games that they didn't play. So that's just baseball in 2021, but it's very specifically Giants baseball in 2021. They're going to use their depth. They're going to build a quantity of quality. That's the plan, I think. Yeah, I think it is. And, you know, you've cited... The uh, Mike Petriello
2: piece I've cited it too. You know, looking at uh, the amount of innings that the Giants are expected to throw by pitchers who are you know basically decent. You know, will have a FIP of, of five or better. I think you know Saris did it with an ERA of 4.50 or better. And you look at the Dodgers and Padres and they're going to get 100% of their innings from, from pitchers who are not terrible. And the Giants are right behind them at 99%. I mean, they they're not going to throw a lot of people who are terrible. And uh, I don't think you necessarily you know go slap 100 on the at the Caesars sportsbook and, and take the Giants to win the World Series based on that. But yeah, I think they plan to, like you said, get quality out of quantity. And that goes for the position side too, where they may have 11 position players that are going to give you a positive WRC plus um, over 100. And, and there aren't many teams that have that many. Uh, They don't have Mookie Betts, but their 10th and 11th best hitters are going to be better than most other teams' 10th and 11th best hitters. And maybe that'll be a marginal uh, advantage, but they're going to take advantage of every margin they can.
0: That's a, a very important point because I've been on the depth watch for a while, and I wrote a piece a month or so ago about, look for the Giants' worst hitter, and it's Kirk Casale, perhaps, and that's a backup catcher. You're not supposed to get good backup catchers. Sally's pretty good for a backup catcher. At least he has been over the last few seasons. And then you're you're moving up, right? Who's who's the worst hitter after that? And it's like, well, that guy's pretty good. And and that guy's not, I wouldn't call him a bad hitter. That guy's a solid hitter all the way through. What you don't have or guys like Mookie Betts. You don't have Walker Bueller and Clayton Kershaw. You're losing the, the top margin there. And that's what's going to be the difference between the Dodgers, the Padres, and the Giants. The Giants aren't going to embarrass themselves, and that's their plan. And hopefully, you know, Gosman continues his breakout, or they get another breakout, or, you know, Austin Slater's spring was for real, or something happens to where they're propped up a little bit more than we're expecting. But that's the big gap. They don't have the star power. And there's probably no way to get it outside of a repeat season from Yaz.
2: And obviously, they lucked out a little bit when Yaz got hit by a pitch in the very last exhibition game in Arizona. And and x-rays were negative, uh, but uh, definitely took one on the hand. And of course, we all had flashbacks to what happened to Madison Bumgarner the last spring game a couple of years ago and and that ended up robbing Madison Bumgarner of basically a quarter of the, the time he had left as a giant um when you think back on it but yeah you know they they don't have the current superstars they still have Buster Posey they still have Brandon Crawford they still have Brandon Belt they have Evan Longoria none of those guys are washed up i mean posey will it'll be interesting to see what the giants get out of him this year we just talked to him on a zoom call and he is optimistic about the season. I, you know, he was asked, what's the goal? He said, the goal is to win the NL West. And he said, I wouldn't be a very good teammate or a very good competitor if I said anything other than that. So, you know, these guys aren't going to, you know, kind of rule themselves out from the get-go. And and, and that's what you hope. There's no way you can win if you don't think you can win. So, yeah, you know, they don't have those, like, game-changing Fernando Tatis Jr. type of players yet. But they, they have a lot of sort of stable pieces. And, uh, and they have some guys with upside and how they end up shuffling playing time and and
0: innings. And, um, you know, I think it's going to be really interesting because there's a lot of different combinations they could go with. It's tricky for me because I built my brand as an Internet loser with opinions. And while that is still (laughs) very much my brand, I spent the first few years of my Giants writing career really complaining and complaining loudly about the Giants and their decisions and how they were slow to embrace the Moneyball era. And Brian Saby needs to be fired. And and Bruce Bochy, gosh, you know, it's about time. You know, I like the guy, but it might be time for him to go. And then there's a lot of success. And sort of (laughs) those rough edges are honed a little bit. Uh, My arrogance is tempered at the same time now. I, it's hard for me to really be critical with the job that Zaidi has done with the Giants. It's impressed me. The number of players that he has brought into the organization who have improved beyond expectations, I think it's a really hard thing to fake. And it's hard for me to look and go, ah, there's, what's he doing with Aaron Sanchez? Every move is met with some sort of like OK, I'll take a gander like I'm intrigued and it's hard for me to to be objective like that. It's, it's, is it hard for you? Am I just a big old softy now? You know, I go back and forth because and I do think that I have
2: noticed there are some fans that are a little more interactive than most. And some of them were incredibly anti Sabian. And then they almost were sort of wedded to that position and couldn't come off it and didn't know what to do when when the team won three <laughs> World Series. In five years, I mean, it's it's kind of the rhetorical trap we're in as a country right now. People just pick a side and don't want to come off that side and ignore any evidence that would conflict with the conclusions that they're just absolutely adhering to. With Farhan, look, I look at it two ways. One, this is year two of the three years on Gabe Kapler's contract. This is year three of the five years on Farhan's contract. If they have a year where they win 70 games, which is very possible and it's their fifth straight losing season you know you talk to ownership now and i talked to greg johnson you know a couple weeks ago and it is unwavering confidence that farhan has them moving in the right direction i'm sure they're very happy that he's been frugal but also they feel like you know they're building something but at some point you kind of have to make a decision do i you know want to see more of this and extend these people and give them votes of confidence uh, without having those results? At what point, you know, how much uh, sort of extra runway do you get because you couldn't have minor league baseball last year? And, and and really, the development was kind of stalled a little bit. I do think this is an important season, maybe not to save those guys jobs. I think that they're, they're not necessarily on the hot seat. But you know, they're going to have to convince some free agents to come to San Francisco that are going to be in demand after this season. And I really do think it's going to be important for the Giants to have an upswing this year in the standings. You know, obviously it'd be good if they didn't have a losing record for the fifth straight year, but just not take a step backwards in the standings because, you know, it's going to be important that they sell themselves as a destination in a place that's, uh, that's on the rise. And I think that... Um, you know, if they can build on the momentum that they've already created a little
0: bit, uh, th- I think that's going to be important. Another important consideration is, yes, the Giants will have a ton of payroll coming off the books. You know, they'll have Evan Goria, Jake McGee, Tommy Listella still on the books. They'll be paying arbitration eligible guys, guys who haven't hit arbitration yet. But they'll also have like 10 roster spots to fill bare minimum. And you just generally don't go out in free agency and say, I'll, I'll take you, I'll, I'll take you, uh, I'll take you. Like, it's it's not an auction. You don't just get the high bid. It's going to be tricky to build an entire infield or entire uh, you know, pitching staff through free agency, uh, even if you have a lot of money. So it's going to be important, I think, for some of these guys who are on the team now, To play themselves into consideration for a new contract, whether it's Donovan Solano or Buster Posey, you know, something like that. De guys who are here, guys you've already done the hard sell on a little bit. Getting some of those guys to have seasons where you want them back, I think it's going to be just as important as having that money after the season. I totally agree, and I think that um, they
2: did try to go multi-year uh, with guys like Wood and Disclafani, Sclafani, and, and those guys preferred one-year contracts. And so, you know, maybe they'll get in a situation where it is a good match, and they want to come back. and And obviously, if they have a good year and the Giants want them back, it'll be because they had a good year, and they're going to cost more. We we saw that with Kevin Gossman, and why he's going to cost them almost nineteen million dollars this year instead of instead of nine million. But uh, to your point about how they might have a lot of different spots to fill, and you know even though you've got a lot of money that'll be available yeah i can imagine what scott harris is going to stand on the las vegas strip you know whipping out flyers saying here sign with us sign with us sign with us we got lots of opportunities so i think it's going to be a big year for austin slater it's going to be a big year for alex dickerson it's going to be a big year for a lot of these guys who are getting to that point in their careers where they probably can't
0: afford to have a step back season we'll be right back after a quick word from
1: our sponsors
0: Let's move on to the opening day roster. We spent a lot of time talking about it and sifting through the NRIs and the right handers. And you've got Nick Tripiano and, and Jimmy Sherfy. And we're we throwing out all these names. This roster looks like the one we might have predicted in January without any knowledge of the NRIs. Like if, if you just take all those minor league free agents that they signed and, and get them out of your head... This is like the roster we would have predicted back in January almost. I think actually when Scott
2: Harris was standing on the Las Vegas trip, he was standing in front of the Tropiano. <laughs>
0: oh, that's a good gag. I like that.
2: Oh, thanks. Thanks for that courtesy laugh there. Um, <laughs> it is surprising because they even talked about how they were so pleased with the right-handed NRIs who came in because they were concerned that they didn't have really enough... There and then, lo and behold, none of them make the team. And you think, well, they've got these guys with options. You know, maybe they they can start the year with the NRI guys. What this tells me is that they were able to sign a lot of NRI guys without giving them the opt-outs. And I don't know that for a fact because they've been pretty cagey about that, about who's got opt-outs and who doesn't. I know that Scott Casimir doesn't, but I mean, yet yeah, that tells me that you know they were able to get these guys on contracts and basically tell them, look, we're not going to give you an opt-out, but we're going to use a hell ton of pitching this year, and that's going to probably include you as long as you're healthy. So, you know, if you want to be a part of this, then, you know, sign with us and we can guarantee you're going to be a part of our staff in some form or function, even if it's not to start the season. And so, yeah, I do think we're going to see Tropiano. I do think we're going to see Shun Yamaguchi and Scott Casimir. And, uh, you know, uh, and uh, I almost said Justin Leone. That's taken me back to
0: giants.
1: <laughs>
2: giants who never were. Uh, Dominic Leone and uh, Littell and all these other guys, Zach Littell. So, you know, we'll probably see all of them at some point this year because we know that, that teams are going to be really trying to spread innings as much as they can. But the fact that they were encouraged by those performances, I think is a good thing. It did catch me a little off guard because they're going to start the season with all their optionable guys. One other thing I think that it does telegraph a little bit is the backside of their 40-man roster a little bit better than it has been in the past. And and they're, you know, you put an NRI guy on, that means you have to DFA somebody or 60-day D- uh, IL someone. They've already made their 60-man moves. So you had a Nick Tropiano. Who goes? Jalen Davis, you know, probably. So maybe they're not ready to, to cross that bridge just yet. So they start with the optional guys, and they have other guys who have options as well. Connor Menez, we could see him at some point. It was a little surprising that they went that route, but we do know by process of elimination that they're going to have five left-handed relievers in that bullpen and an all uh, right-handed starting staff, and Alex Wood will start on the injured list. And uh, the position players, the 13, uh, we all pretty much knew once Brandon Belt was healthy what that group was going to be as well. So yeah, not a lot of
0: drama, not a lot of surprises, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It is remarkable the amount of lefties that they've built in there, and it's basically last year's pen, with the exception of Jose Alvarez, swapped out for Sam Selman, I mean from the left side. And when you're talking about four lefties, they must be pretty sold on those guys getting right-handers out. I mean, that's the only way you can carry four lefties. Maybe you've got someone like Alvarez who you want against lefties more than than others, but... I think the idea there is that you can't look at them as lefties. You just have to look at them as guys with a chance to get hitters out. And I think that's the plan. Does that track with you? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I've sort of asked, hey, are you going to be
2: using openers and, and you could use a lefty as an opener? They, they really are thinking they probably won't use a lot of openers, uh, but they could. And they could even use a right-handed opener uh, with someone like, you know, Tyler Rogers, because he's so funky. But yeah, I've got McGee, Alvarez, Garcia, Peralta, and Baragar. So that's, fi- that's five lefties. And you could even bring up Selman and um, Menez at some point. You could have seven lefties in that bullpen. I mean, that's kind of crazy, but... Um, I think they're they're confident that all these guys have the stuff to get right-handed hitters out, uh, and they're going to have to because of the three-batter rule. Uh, we can't forget that that has not gone away. So it's not a bullpen with a lot of huge household names, but it's very, very clear that they are prioritizing vertical movement and guys who can get ground balls and guys who can work quickly and throw strikes and have command plus over guys who are just up there, you know, hominid at 98. And uh, so this bullpen... Honestly, last year's bullpen was tough to watch because they worked so many just plotting deep counts and
0: walks and everything. This bullpen might be a little crisper, a little more fun to watch. You know, one thing, it it seems like last year was a bullpen sandwich and the, the bread on the outside of the sandwich was moldy. The bad parts came early and then there was the collapse at the end. So you have this feeling that the Giants bullpen last year was just dreadful. September, they were pretty good. They were pretty yeah, they were good. pretty darn good. And I think a lot of that had to do with a lot of these lefties rounding into form. You had uh, uh, Berger and, and, and Peralta and, and Garcia sort of like coming into their own, especially Berger, who, who just came out of nowhere to cement that spot and do what he did well and just do it over and over again, which is you get that crazy spin rate going. And it worked throughout September up until the very end. So, I don't know, maybe there's something to it. I, I just, I have no idea how optimistic or pessimistic to be about this Giants bullpen. I just don't.
2: Yeah, well, and, you know, a big part of, I think, the the team is, and you've written this several times, is going to be the rotation. And a lot of times, sometimes your bullpen is only as good as your rotation because if you're not getting those innings, out of your starting staff, then your bullpen is always scrambling to cover them. You've got you're, you're throwing your back end guys more than you want to, and you get guys who are gassed, who are not able to sort of be at their at their peak. So one kind of is going to bleed into the other, I think. And again, you know, they're they're going to spread the innings around, you know, and they're also going to have to hope that they outhit a lot of uh, a lot of the sort of off nights they have from a pitching standpoint. But you know, they're they're starting with the DH. They're starting in Seattle. And uh, against the team, they kind of clobbered pretty good last year. So I think getting off to a good start could really fill the fill this team with, with a little bit of confidence.
0: Now, I have a wacky idea that Kevin Gossman is going to play an important role in this team. I mean, obviously. But the, insofar is that he would be almost like that vintage Jeff Samarja type where... The Giants aren't going to be as worried if he's going a third time through the order that he's going to be a guy to pick up an extra inning in every start, perhaps that that's an inning that the bullpen doesn't have to throw. That's an inning that accumulates over the long season. Is that accurate or, or are they just going to kind of stick with him in that two times through the order, you know, maybe three if he's rolling, but we're not going to treat him any differently than any of the other pitchers. So Gabe Kapler's kind of telegraphed that early
2: on they're going to be pretty darn conservative. I don't think anyone's going to throw more than six innings the first time through the rotation, probably the first couple times through the rotation. They're, they're really going to be strategic in how they build pitchers up, and we've seen it with how they've approached spring training. I mean, Kevin Gaussman's last outing was a sim game. You know, they're just not worried about trying to get guys to 100 pitches by opening day. So I think that's probably what you'll see early on. But I mean, yeah, we we saw a little bit of this last year and Tyler Anderson might have been the most kind of hacked off about it. But Gaussman also said a few things about how he he wants to be trusted to pitch deeper into games. And, And I think Gabe Kapler has understood that you know, you've got to give your pitchers some rope because if you don't do that when they're going good, then um, they're not going to know what they're capable of. So I do think that I love a good complete game. I think everyone does. I like it almost as much as Bruce Jenkins does. But you
0: know, I'm not sure if we're going to see a whole lot of complete games from the Giants this season. Yeah, no, that is an excellent point. I don't remember. Has there been a year in recent years where they have not had a complete game? I think they just squeaked under the wire in 2019 with one of them.
2: Yes, and I believe it was... Derek Holland, who pitched like a five-inning washout game that counted as a complete game, and that might have saved their
0: bacon for being the first year they didn't have a CG all year. Uh, Uh, I don't think I count that. I don't think I count that. I remember the the season before, and it was getting close to it and and getting late in the season, and they got one from Chris Chris Stratton. Stratton. Chris Stratton. Yeah. uh So I think this might be the year where they don't get a complete game, but at the same time, 162 games. That's a lot of opportunities. You got to feel like someone's just going to be on a roll and cutting through the pirates or something. And, and you're know, the Rockies at Oracle Park. And what's the point of bringing them out? Yeah. Chris Stratton, by the way, speaking of the Pirates, I think he and Kyle Crick are kind of in competition to be the Pirates' closer this year. I know. I know. I was, uh, I had my fantasy draft last night and I just kept, like, my finger hovering over the Chris Stratton button and it's like, oh, but then I'd not taken Kyle Crick and I'm like, where am I? What What, what happened to <laughs> what me? What planet am I on? Oh, Yo, yours is NL only, right? Mine is NL only. Uh, my team looks like the Mets team bus, the Mets team bus crashed into Oracle Park. It's like all Mets and Giants. It's hilarious because I just have tunnel vision. I cover the Giants, and so I know what Austin Slater's spring is like. I don't know what, like, Brandon Nimmo's spring is like for the Mets. I don't know any of these things, so I'm just like, oh, I'll take Gossman. I'll take, Osman. I'll take uh, Slater. I'll do bon. Like, it's a funny, funny team. It's exactly the kind of team you'd expect me to have.
2: Yeah, I, I took Chris Sale on my taxi squad. He's Ooh. he's my guy. I'm squirreling away. Squirrel. Um, let's see. Do I have any Giants? I, I do. I have Jake McGee because... I have a long-standing tradition to take the Giants closer because I figure you're, if I was writing on deadline, I don't want to rewrite my story. So I'm rooting for the Giants closer tacitly anyway, I might as well have him on my fantasy team and, and sort of like
0: up the, uh, the buy-in. I am always up for, uh, an implicit Armando Benitez reference in, in Curse Out because I, I know how fond you were of that season as far as, uh, when it came to beating deadline. Oh
2: Yeah. Yeah. Benitez single-handedly destroyed my fantasy ERA and
0: made me rewrite my whole story in five minutes. It was, yeah, double whammy. Fun times. All right, give me a prediction, and I'm not talking uh, season record, although I guess we can do that later. But just give me, like, one general prediction. I'm writing sort of a boilerplate 10 predictions for the 2021 season. So give me one of yours, something that you can't quite put your finger on and you wouldn't put money down at the Tropiano, but you would sort of buy into. So Ken Rosenthal asked me for a zany prediction on the Giants, and this is what I gave him. I
2: said, all right, this is the year that Buster Posey finally rounds out all of the possible career goals and accomplishments that he could have. He's already won a gold glove, a silver slugger. He's won a rookie of the year, an NL MVP award. He's got three World Series rings, and this is the year he hits a home run off Madison Bumgarner. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I thought you were going with comeback player of the year, but I I think that is probably more satisfying. More the comeback. Play- oh no doubt, no, no doubt. The comeback player of the year was ruined when they didn't give it to Ryan Vogelsong. It should be named the Ryan Vogelsong comeback player of the year. Sp- I would agree, sponsored yes. by Ryan Vogelsong. So for him not to win it, you know, screw that award. So yeah, hitting one off a of Bumgarner—that's that's, that's got to be a life goal. Absolutely. All right, what do you got? You know, mine's also Posey-themed. I, I'm going to write about this. It has to do with a Joey Bart, Buster Posey controversy. And I think it's going to happen next year. I think Posey's going to do well enough, be solid enough, quiet enough. I'm not saying he's going to hit 30 homers or anything like that. Just be solid enough to where you're interested in that guy coming back and the Giants have an option on them. It's a very expensive option, but they showed with Gaussman like in the right situation, you know, maybe they're going to take the bird in the hand over two in the bush. I don't know if they'll go that far, but I think that they will be interested in bringing Posey back. That's my wacky Zini prediction. I think so too. I I think as long as he has a
2: good year and he comes out of it healthy, I do think they're going to re-sign Buster and you know, maybe they don't pick up the option, which is what 22 million with a 5 million buyout. But I think he'll probably get a salary that's a little bit bigger than you know. Otherwise, you might think from an actuarial standpoint. And and you know what? Honestly, part of the consideration might be he saved him eight million bucks last year by opting out. I don't know if he necessarily get you know residual like store credit for that. <laughs> um, you know. Yeah, yes, yeah. so you get to shop at and uh, buy the ceramic Dalmatian in the uh, in Wheel of Fortune. If you get that reference, boy, you, you go back a ways. But I do. but yeah, I, I I do think that maybe Buster deserves a bit of store credit for that because you know the Giants saved eight million bucks by him not playing baseball last year, and so I think to lowball him if they do
0: re-sign him, I think maybe you should take that into account. We'll see. I am now remembering the steam, the literal steam coming out of my ears and I'm quite literal. It's a medical phenomenon. when the giants re-signed Benji Molina after 2009 to sort of like ease Buster Posey in, I was so mad at that move. It was Buster's time. I was so convinced in retrospect, I was right, but I would like not right, but you know what I mean? Like it it was his time, but I'm thinking right now there's like a 23, 24 year old internet goofball. Who's going to be writing a, nasty screed about how it's Joey Bart's time, and I don't, maybe we should listen to him or her.
2: Pinch runner, Eli Whiteside.
0: Ah! Oh, that season I I met I actually had a note a, a reminder set to write a 10-year retrospective of that game. as sort of a mea culpa, but also just oh man, that drove me nuts. And then the pandemic happened and I forgot, but yes. Hey, so I know we're over time here, but can you can you fit in a quick plug for your other podcast?
2: You're cheating on me with with another podcast host, but can you tell folks about it? I
0: am, you know, this is a polyamorous podcast relationship and <laughs> we have been No, it's uh Hunter Pence. I'm doing a podcast, a regular podcast with Hunter Pence now. And it's gonna come out every Thursday. So you will get twice the Brisbee if you want it. And I can't imagine why you would. But if you do, you can stagger them too. So maybe listen to one on Thursday, one on Friday. I'm not gonna tell you how to live your life. But it's Hunter Pence. We recorded our first one today. It was like really natural and we had a good flow going back and forth. I had no idea what to expect, but I'm excited about it. I think it's, you know, it's only going to get better with time And the first one. is It was pretty okay considering. Awesome! I look forward to listening to it. And whenever you have your all coffee episode, please let me pop in and, or at
2: least, uh, interject a few thoughts because I definitely have some.
0: We are gonna have you on for a coffee themed episode. He's he's sending me some from Pineapple Labs. I cannot wait to try it. Have you have you tried the his coffee? You know what? I never have. I have my own roaster.
2: I have the Alio Bullet Roaster, which looks like a giant. Like, I don't know what it looks like.
0: It looks like a big bullet, basically. But I'm going to roast some coffee today, I believe. Oh, that's fantastic. We just got a devout coffee truck here in Castor Valley. Devout, uh, they do, uh, they roast their own beans in Niles, and I've always been a fan of their stuff. So we got coffee doings at Transpiring, and I'm, I've am i had four cups today. I could go for a fifth. <laughs> well, um, uh, you never have a fifth cup of coffee at, at, at my home. house. So. At home, yes. <laughs> All right, this is, uh, that's a good, full, was that Folgers, Senka?
2: I'm not sure. I just remember it was sort of co-opted by the good folks who wrote Air- Airplane. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. All right. This is uh, episode 120 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. We will be back on Monday, and we'll have baseball to talk about. Actual baseball games, things that happen, results, winners, losers. Uh, you'll laugh. You'll cry. Funnier than cats. All Happy right. opening day. Happy opening day. Thanks for listening, y'all.